0: My name is Melissa, my name is Katie, my, 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 my name is Ashley, my name is my name is Emma Christensen, and I am a survivor of sex trafficking in America.
1: Hello, and welcome to season one of our podcast, Selling Girls in America. This show is dedicated to shedding light on the crime of sex trafficking in America. We want to give a voice to survivors of this crime as well as discuss prevention methods to stop more people from becoming victims. I'm your host, Randy, a writer and podcaster, and I just learned about human trafficking in the United States. I wanted to put this podcast together with Guardian Group to learn more about these crimes and get answers to questions, questions I think most Americans would have. Joining me shortly is Jeff Teagues, a military veteran with over 25 years of service in the Army and chief operations officer of Guardian Group, a nonprofit organization that fights human trafficking within the United States.
0: The following episode contains distressing content regarding sex trafficking. This may be triggering for those with lived experience or their families. Please proceed with caution.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks for coming back to our podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, it once again, if you guys got any questions, please uh, leave, leave uh, comments in, uh, at guardiangroup.org. Um, we have uh, Jeff back again with us. I'm Randy, and we have another guest today. Dre, who's the uh, Guardian Group marketing director, so we'll just—I'll just let her introduce herself real quick. How she got involved with Guardian Group, and and uh, go ahead, and take it away, Dre.
0: Yeah. So thanks for having me. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my backstory pre-Guardian Group. Um, I was in a relationship with a narcissist for a long time, and he was controlling and manipulative, and um, and it took a long time for me to figure out how to get myself out of that situation, and. Fast forward three years um, I heard Jeff speak and the way he was describing trafficking and these predators, and realized that the type of person he was describing was very similar to the type of person that that I was in a relationship with and it was on my situation was in no same the on the same level as trafficking. however, I can understand how you can lose control um in a situation, and so I couldn't control my situation and I couldn't stop him from treating me the way that he treated me. And when I heard Jeff speak, I'm like, I want to help this guy do whatever he can do to stop predators like this. Um, and so it took me about six months before I came in and I just started running their social media because that's what they needed help with. Um, and I've kind of just stuck around ever since I, I volunteered for about a year and then they brought me on the team full time. Um, but it's something that's close to my heart, and the more survivors I meet, um, the more I, I continue to want to do this work and um, support the team to to be able to do what they can to stop guys like this.
1: That's awesome, Dre. I appreciate that, appreciate that honesty. Uh, you know, Jeff's really good at convincing people to do stuff against their yeah. will. <laughs> So, like, I, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad to be here too. So, uh, um, you know, this kind of leads into uh, something we talked about last time, and I'd like to get a woman's perspective. I had asked Jeff, you know, how, how, and and just given your previous relationship, how do you mm-hmm. tell the difference between a trafficker and just a nice guy, and you know, a not nice guy that's not a trafficker? I, I mean, I guess there's 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 not really a great way to do it because women and men fall into these, these, uh, problems all the time. Uh, hopefully not less for the traffickers, but uh, is there any red flags that when they go, women go on their first dates? Um, cause, uh, I can see where he's charming and he's just a nice guy for a while. And then it, one day it turns bad. Uh, do you have any advice for them or, or any insight?
0: Yeah, that's a really tough question to answer because these guys are really smooth. Um, and I think there are red flags if he's trying to isolate you in any way. Um, so for example, if you're communicating online and things seem pretty normal, you know, your Facebook commenting back and forth, and then that, that message moves someplace isolated, like into Messenger, there could be some red flags there um, if he's trying to isolate you in any way. But I think the most important thing is just to listen to your gut. Um, I knew... The minute I married my ex, walking down the aisle, I knew it was a bad decision. I knew it. And I just didn't want to disappoint people. Um, and so I stuck with it. And But I knew better. I knew better. And I didn't listen to my gut. And it, it caused me years of pain. And I, think, I don't think there's necessarily one red flag that's like, yep, this guy's a trafficker. Um, there's going to be things that you're going to start to see over time. But on that first date, that's really hard to tell. Um, but listen to your gut and trust yourself. Um, I think another thing that's important is to talk to our young people about safe dating and what dating should look like and how you should be treated. Um, For example, we work with a survivor that um she never even made it on her first date. And when she tells her story, her trafficker called her after he had asked her out and he told her what to wear on that date. And to me, that's like, red flag this isn't okay um no one should call me and say you need to wear this kind of thing on a date and look this way especially on a first date um but she didn't she had never been taught that that wasn't normal behavior um and she never even made it on that date she was trafficked before they even got to where they were going for dinner um so i think having these conversations with the younger generations is is really important of of what that should look like and and then just trusting your instincts
1: And, uh, um, well, this question is for both of you, either, either one. Uh, so is there, uh, what do we, what do we call it in the, uh, in the medical world where you have the hour, the first hour is like the most beneficial for helping a person. Um, what's it called? A magic hour or something like that. The golden hour. The golden hour. Right? Is it, so, is there a golden, you know, day if if we if if people notice that she's someone's missing or not communicating with them like they should, and there's a really good reason to believe that they should that they that they should be communicating with you? Like, for instance, I remember this one girl. You know, they her her grandmother woke up the next day at eight o'clock and she wasn't in her room. Obviously, that's a bad that's a bad sign. So, what's this? golden hour of finding these people that are being trafficked that night, for instance, is there a, if you get them, if if we get notified within a day of them missing, there's more likely we'll get, we'll get them or anything like that. We'll get them back.
2: Yeah, Randy, the the sooner the better. And I think what, uh, what Andrea was talking about also is early on that, that first contact, you know, we, uh, we have to teach our, our young, young women and even our young men, Uh, to be more discerning on those initial contact on those texts back and forth on, on those, on those dating sites. So the, the sooner, the better. And, and, uh, I'm not not necessarily answering your question, but I wanted to comment on a couple things that, that Andrea talked about. And the, the biggest thing that we're dealing with here is what she said is she didn't want to disappoint people, you know? And so when, when things start to go wrong, even if it's a little thing, we've got to encourage our people and especially our young women it's okay to disappoint, you know, the, what, what we have just, we have just jammed it into the head of girl, girls and young women is, is that their, their role in life is not to disappoint other people. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't understand how that happened. I only have boys, but I see it all the time, you know? And the other, the other thing too is that Andrea said it and any, any girl, young women that are out there listening is they need to know you deserve more. You know, they need to know what they deserve. They deserve a Prince Charming, okay? None of us are Prince Charming, Randy. You and I are not Prince Charming. But we can at least do it on the first date, right? You can do it on two or three dates. You can be a good guy. You know, they, they, they deserve more. And I think it's it's really disgusting today how our young men are, are treating women and girls. Like, we, we, we've got to stop what we're doing, um, over-sexualize things, objectifying everything teach our young men how to be honorable young men. And we've got to teach our young ladies our young women how to stick up for themselves and help them get beyond these ideas of disappointing others. And if it happens that early, they're going to be healthy on their way out. The longer these girls are trapped in this cycle, the harder it is for them to get their life back together again.
1: Well, just to, just to end this subject then, uh, I think, uh, from what I, from what I can tell, it just seems like, I mean, like you said, sooner, the sooner sooner that you guys know about it or that someone's aware of it and start working on it, the better. But it's, it seems like the more people in someone's life who know what's going on in their life is, it's more likely that they're going to be found. And whether that's, you know, if there's any, you know, young women out there who for whatever reason don't want to tell their parents where they're going for some reason, whether their parents are very restrictive or something like that, at least, you know, telling their best friend, you know, hey, uh, I'm going out with this guy. He's really wonderful, but if I'm not back and if I don't text you in six hours, send out a search party, which I, I have w- uh, women friends that actually do that with being their best friends. They do that all the time because they're, they, they, something's happened or they're aware of, of the situation. So I just, I just think the communication part, whether it's friend, family, that someone knows where you're going and doing it other than the person you're going out with is, is, is going to make a huge difference as well.
2: Yeah, Randy, community is so important. You know, I've got this little story. Uh, this was a couple years ago and we were in this uh, training environment with all these uh, operators, Navy SEALs, Special Forces, you know, Delta Force, all these. All We were in this leadership and, and problem-solving scenario and one of the things that we presented was this problem of, of trafficking in the exploitation cycle and what can we do to intervene. And of course, all of all of the soldiers right? all the special forces guys we had very dramatic answers you know we go in there we rescue the girl we do this we, we set up this ruse and, and, and all of these ideas none of them would work none of them whatsoever because there's a, a real world out here in a community and it was a, a couple days later I was with a men's group at a church and I presented the exact same scenario and th- th- these men paused for a minute and they and they said what why don't we as a community, just love on our girls more. Like, why don't we as a community just get get around these young women and and give them the love we're looking for, especially our churches and our schools and our communities? There is no special forces answer to to fight this problem until it becomes very glaringly a, a, a criminal issue. These phases we're talking about, the assessment and the grooming, we've got to be more bold in reaching out to these girls because it doesn't happen overnight. You see these girls wandering and you see them looking for something. And collectively as a community, we just kind of look the other way. Whereas a couple of adults, a, 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 a couple of ladies, a couple of a, a, a husband and wife couple to take a girl out to dinner, you know, and, and reinforce that she's special and she's beautiful and she's smart. Because even these healthy homes where the young lady is getting that, Sometimes we can't hear that from our own family, you know, notwithstanding plenty of these homes, they're not getting it. So as a community, we've just got to do better on supporting the development and growth of, of our young women. And the flip side of that is calling out this bullshit behavior when we see it in our young men, because we let way too much slide, you know, the locker talk, all these things that, that you, you know, you and I are guilty of all of this stuff as well. But as I've gotten older and I look back at, at, at our lives, Randy, as, as our lives as soldiers, you know how many times we should have stood up and said, Hey man, don't, don't talk like that. That's, that, that's inappropriate. You know? Um, so b- both sides of that, just community wise, we've, we've got to do better.
1: So, um, thanks Jeff. Uh, I just want to, I guess this, this episode I want to talk more about the grooming part of the cycle. And, uh, as far as I can tell, just as a, like once again, on the newbie here, uh, I, I it looks like there's ba- two basic kinds of grooming or two different kinds of traffickers. One is like hundred percent like romantic for two weeks, three weeks, month, two months, you know, get basically getting the person to fall in love with him. And then, and then turning her, uh, uh, into a worker later on where she'll do anything for him for whatever reason he's got over her. And 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 then she also thinks he's in love with him, that he's going to change at some point. And then the other one that I've seen, especially reading some of your blog posts, was uh, what I'll call the shock and awe, where they go on a date, he's the perfect guy, she's really infatuated with uh, this guy, and then the second or third date, she never comes home. And uh, and she's already been uh, she's already been worked and uh, and she's uh, ashamed or he's got something else over her head and she and she she doesn't come home until she gets rescued or maybe she never comes home, so I, I just wanted to see if you guys either one of you could elaborate on on the grooming period you know the types of grooming the types of pimps traffickers are out there if I missed uh, a different type and uh, what what's your guys' experience with that?
0: Yeah, so. Traffickers all have their own kind of unique style. So everybody's situation is going to be different. Their tactics are going to be different. Um, but 42% of victims report that they that their trafficker gained their trust within a month. So it happens for like almost half very, very quickly. Um, they establish this emotional connection um, and they use that later to control her. And sometimes the thing that I think people don't understand is we, we view predator and victim most often is male is the predator. And, um, sometimes they're using what's called the bottom or the bottom bitch to help bring other girls in. And I don't know how much you guys elaborated on this when you're talking about recruiting, but they'll use her to gain, um, the girl's trust because women trust women easier than, than she trusts a man. Um, but they'll, it can happen very, very quickly.
1: So, yeah, so Jeff mentioned that we we talked about that a little yesterday because I was asking him if those people are complicit or are they kind of forced to be the 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 mediator, mediated person. And uh, and so I don't know if you have anything to elaborate on that, but basically he said that they're, they're both and there's not a lot of science or statistics to see whether one, one's, one or the other is true.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I think – And what I've seen and talked to women who have played that role as the bottom, they were a victim to start with, and it was a survival thing. You're being asked to do this, and it means maybe they see less buyers that day. And so, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, And that's actually the one thing with a couple different survivors um, that we've heard their story and communicated with. That's the hardest pill for them to swallow, is that they helped bring other girls into this life. Um, of all the things that have happened, that's the hardest thing to deal with. Um, so they could be used in the grooming process. It's not uncommon. Um, the other thing about grooming is, is traffickers are really good at finding that vulnerability and kind of that gap that they can fill of what that girl is looking for. So maybe she you know, is looking for somebody to buy her things or to something like that. She feels loved that way. And so maybe that's what he's going to do is buy her a gift. And, and she instantly is much more drowned to him um, if that's the way that she feels loved. Or, or maybe it's just spending time with her, taking her to dinner or something like that. They're very good at figuring out what that thing is, what she needs or what she's kind of looking for, um, that vulnerability. And they're very good at, at using that, um, whether it's going to church with her family or something like that, that wouldn't be alarming, but would be something that would make her fall in love faster. Um, so I think that they're, they're very good at what they do. Um, another thing that, you know, when you guys were talking about the point that you got to get in before it gets harder, um, the phase that comes after grooming is breaking, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. But this time between like her recruitment and her grooming is, is kind of probably that golden hour. Like if you don't get her before she reaches that breaking, it's going to be so much harder because there's so much trauma associated with that. So kind of understanding like a guy's motives when he's doing these things and trying to see that, whether you're on the outside looking at a new relationship or you're the one in a new relationship and you're wondering if this guy's a predator, if he's just a nice guy, um, trying to figure out like what the motive is behind that, which is not simple. None of this is easy, um, but it's key in stopping that before it kind of goes further.
1: So you mentioned the golden hour. And so if if we, if we can, if she, we can, we, we society, the community can mm-hmm. disconnect her from the trafficker during the grooming stage. Um, uh, what I guess what uh, i the person the person the the victim is already kind of enamored so they're probably not going to see their way out of this we've already talked about signs and and going with your gut and not being afraid to disappoint and things like that but what about friends and family looking in from the outside what are they what what are, you know so if if they sense something's wrong cuz they got gut feelings as well is it is it a bad thing to, you know, contact someone like guardian group and like, you know, I hate to spy on my daughter, but this has been going on for a month. And I'm just, I just got a bad feeling about this. You know, is that, is it, are, you know, is that bad advice to tell the mother, like, no, you're, you're being over, you know, you're being overprotective. You should let your, your daughter live her life. Or is it, or is it the right thing to tell that mother? Like, Hey, it happens so we want to we will we'll check them out we'll get on and 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 what would you find if you did check them out
0: yeah i think that's a fine line um between like being a helicopter parent and but just also being protective um but i think you at the same time like you will regret it if you don't um if you if your gut says something's wrong and you feel like i can't live with it if if i don't do something then absolutely Call somebody. Have somebody check into it and um, see if they feel the same way from an outsider's opinion. Um, but you are right that it's going to be really hard to approach that victim who is falling in love. Um, in my situation, I remember exactly where it was when my mom was like, "You know, there's other fish in the sea." And I'm like, "Yeah, there's not." <laughs> and like, I I wouldn't listen to her. She was right. She knew it. Um, she was right. Seven years later, when I was moving back in with her, in a disaster. But you know, she still loved me the whole time and she supported the whole time. And so it was, even though I made the decision, she didn't agree with. And in this situation is, it is different. Um, but it is going to be hard to approach that, that victim with truth and saying, Hey, there's more going on here. I think there's more going on here. So an outsider saying it or educating could be beneficial. Um, but you also, you got to listen to your gut. And if this is, if you think there's something up, then then make sure you say something to her or to somebody else. So,
1: so I guess in my mind as a green beret operator having been in other countries in dangerous situations if I have a bad gut feeling about someone and I'm in South America somewhere uh I'm going to notice his car plate number I'm going to you know you know go find out where he lives so if something bad happens i know where to go uh things like that are those beneficial uh i mean are those starting points if if you know your daughter goes off the grid all of a sudden and uh, if you know where their house is, is does he stay in that house after he's groomed her or does he move on and that house is worthless does he stay with that car that he's been driving her around in after he groomed her, or is, does he dump the car and he's got a new car? Because that seems like those would all be ways to find her again.
2: So, Randy, the information that we need, the, what we specialize in at Garden Group, is we call it publicly available information, PAI. Where, where you and I come from in the military, we call it OSINT, open source intelligence. So, And it happens all the time. It happens every week. A, a family will reach out to us with their suspicions, with their fears. And those are the things that we need. We need to see, and largely, it's social media presence. So, if if a if a parent is is concerned about their daughter or son, uh, they need to send us phone numbers, uh, usernames, and all of the different social media accounts that they use, and then we can start to dig in using the different techniques and tactics that we know to see what it is that that we can see. And then some of these simple things that are law enforcement proprietary only, like running license plates on cars and things like that, we're in relationship with law enforcement all over the country, and we can pass that to them as well. Unfortunately, I would say probably seven or eight times out of ten, all, all we can do is go back to that family and say, look, it, it looks like your daughter is making some poor decisions. It looks like these young men and this group of people that she's that she's getting involved with are are." are involved in games or, you know, they're, it, it doesn't look really healthy. It's hard for us to see that, that line of where something is, the, the law is broken. Now, well, sometimes on that rare occasion, um, when we're given enough information and can spend the time digging into someone's social media and they're not covering their tracks well, we literally can find online for sale. And, and I tell you what, that those are some of the worst phone calls that I can remember is going back to a family and saying, yes, we have found your daughter and she is for sale in city X, Y, or Z. There is evidence of trafficking. And it's up to law enforcement to take it from there. Now, on one hand, I get sick to my stomach having that discussion. But on the other hand, I'm somewhat relieved because now we have evidence for law enforcement to take action. We have evidence that that family knows exactly what's going on more times than not. You know, the, the, the conversations end with, you know, ma'am, sir, you, you, you need to sit with your daughter and just figure out why she's making these choices. And then again, we said this the other day, if the young lady is 18 years old, there is very, 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 very little that that, that, that parent can do. So Andrea mentioned this earlier with her um, with her journey. Her parents never turned their back on her. They always supported her. I don't know if that's always the right answer, but we have seen too many times um, the family that puts down that ultimatum, that, that family that tries to force their daughter to start to make the right choices, that that crack becomes a schism and and, and the, the predators just I- exploit that. So, Andrew, you can comment on this, but but my default with all of that is is love your daughter, love your son through this, no matter how painful it is, no matter how enabling it may feel. Just as we look back at this over the years, any any type of hard stance these parents take, it, it I, I have never seen it end well.
0: Yeah, um, I think that the trafficker will use that as a way to like to further separate um, that girl from her support system. So if parents have made a stance, then he's like, "Well, your parents are the worst. I'll take care of you," um, you know, or whatever, and he uses that um, as another tool to gain control, um, of like, well, your parents don't, won't take you back either. You know? So this is, I've all you've got and stuff like that. So I'd say stick with your girls as long as you can, you know, support them as much as you can. I know it worked in my situation, but, um, it can be really hard as a parent. I talked to a mom that calls us probably every two weeks and her daughter is 22 and being trafficked and does not want out. And you know, I'm just there as a support. And my number one advice to her every time is don't give up on her. Just don't give up on her because someday hopefully she'll realize that, that, you know, you're here for her and you are a place she could go and, and so on and so forth. So I would, I would definitely not separate yourself. Um,
1: so I guess getting back to the grooming, are you know the 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 forty-one percent that said they were kind of whipped in the first month, basically, is this a whirlwind romance? Are they talking about marriage and babies and where they're going to live and and things like that? Is that what they're I mean, is that what they're experiencing, or is it just a good boyfriend girlfriend relationship? I guess or what?
0: I. <laughs> I think it depends. Um that's the hard part about this crime is that everybody has their own unique style and so I I've talked to survivors where yep, they were talking marriage babies, the white picket fence, pants, the whole enchilada. Um and then others where they were just dating. Um so I think it it could be either way it's whatever kind of his his style is.
1: Um so uh, I get, we, we, this is probably, uh, if we got, so I was asking about the assessment and recruitment phase last time with Jeff, like how does guardian group get involved? And, and he's like, well, this is really, this is the, this is just awareness. This is community awareness, you know, family awareness, you know, uh, about that there's traffickers out there and it's really hard to, to find them. And it's probably the same with the grooming though, But families can be a little bit more conscious, aware and and gather information for the uh, hopefully uh, not. But if there's something bad happens, they have all the information they can get. You know, I guess a a mom asking the boyfriend to accept her Facebook uh, friend uh, application or something if he doesn't do that, that's probably not a symbol of that. He is, he's a trafficker or a narcissist. That's probably just the average guy. Like I don't want a friend or I don't want her seeing all the stuff I'm doing, we're doing or whatever. But um, yeah. So just figuring all that, figuring, I guess a, a concerned parent or friend, you know, getting as much information, not stalking too badly, but you know, just gathering information, especially if they got a bad gut feeling is, is not a, horrible thing to do in retrospect, because if it turns out bad, you'll never forgive yourself. And if it turns out good, you did, uh, you did it for the right reasons, I guess, is the way I would put it.
0: Yeah. I think just being aware this is going to be, you know, the grooming, how to stop it is going to be along the same lines as the assessment and recruitment. There's no crime being committed. Um, And so just being aware of what that could look like um, more often than not, when we do community training, somebody comes up after and is like, shoot, now that I know all this, I'm thinking back to my niece or, you know, my kid's friend's Instagram account. Will you look at this um, and kind of doing the, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but just being aware and sharing that with what, you know, you know, if you're a parent, I'm sure you have friends that are parents you know, share that information as you learn it, because that's going to be one of the key ways that we can kind of stop these guys before they get, before the crime is committed.
1: So I guess, um, once the crime commit is committed, which is we're going to get into the next episode, once the breaking happens and then they get, you know, kind of into this rut of the life, um, that's when guardian group can kind of intervene. Right.
2: Yeah, that's definitely where that line has been crossed. And, you know, uh, I, I like the way Andrea put this earlier, we're, we're there, um, to talk to people, you know, we're not trained counselors. That's not our thing. You know, especially me, just ask my wife. I'm a, I'm one of the worst listeners on the planet. One of the worst, you know, you, you and I sold, uh, you and I, Randy, we're not, we're not uh, built to be, uh, compassionate individuals, you know, but that's I've been what told we
1: have before by the women in my life. <laughs> exactly.
2: But that's why we have people like Andrea here, you know, like we're, we're there, we're there for the families, you know, and, and we will try to connect them with the appropriate resources. But really what our core mission is, is, is when, when we can start to see these laws broken and giving that uh, evidence and information to law enforcement, because what, what law enforcement needs is probable cause or reasonable suspicion. And even, right. even if it isn't necessarily true evidence that are, that a law has been broken yet, those are the things that these men and women in blue need to have to be able to dig, to dig into a case. And I would okay. say that's, that's probably 80% of what we do is, is just pass this compelling story so they can dig into it deeper. Because if we can only see social media exchanges, how they're discussing things kind of in the open, once they move to their phones and they're texting back and forth, if, if there's enough smoke there, if there's a compelling story, if there's probable cause or reasonable suspicion law enforcement can then subpoena both of those phone records uh, and they can, they can dig into those. And, and, and a lot of times these guys are so brazen. It's, it's all right there. And I want to emphasize something we talked about the other day. If you're, if your daughter is under 18 years old, chances are she doesn't own that phone. Chances are you can request uh, all sorts of things from the carrier on what's happening on that phone. So, you know, people have a lot more parents have a lot more control um, An insight that they're not they're not leveraging. Now again, that goes back to that family dynamic and that those ideas of privacy. But uh, if you pay for that phone, you have access to whatever is said on that phone and whatever phone calls are made uh, on that phone. So that's one of the, the initial pieces of advice we give to give to parents.
1: That's actually really good. Uh, I mean, I, I I have been guilty of taking my eighteen uh, year old daughter's phone away, and maybe that's not the best thing to do. If, if she runs away, which she did a couple times. So, uh, so maybe in the retrospect, yeah. And I always regret it because I can always track her with the phone, but once she, t- once I take the phone away from her, I don't know where she is. And so, uh, yeah, I guess that's something to consider as a parent, you know, what you're, when you, when you're, when you're upset with their decisions, maybe taking their phone away is not the best thing to do.
2: Well, like, you nailed it, man. And these, whatever it is—if it's a phone, if it's a car, whatever it is—these these predators are super clever. I mean, we're, we're, Randy, we we talked we touched on this a little bit the other day. The, these guys are master manipulators. You you and I have gone to military schools to learn how to withstand, you know what I mean, and and stand up to the wiles of these exploiters and these manipulators. It's it's absolutely incredible to me how talented they are. And with the phone piece of it. Exactly. You know, with your daughter's phone, that predator is just going to say, hey, baby, I'll get you a phone. And now she has yeah. a phone and you have no idea how to track it or access to it. So, yeah, any any of those, uh, uh, again, I would say it, it's going to feel like enabling. It really is. When you see this unhealthy relationship with your child or niece or whomever, it's going to feel like you're enabling it. But I, I just don't see another way because these guys will take any divisive act that you take, any friction that's existing between you and that loved one, and they will crank it up to 11.
1: Okay. So I think I think we covered grooming pretty well. Um, you guys got any final comments on the grooming cycle of the phase or phase of the cycle? No? Um, I guess uh, so next time we're going to talk about the breaking phase of the cycle. And uh, uh, I just wanted to end on a a little, a little uh, stinger for about what we're going to talk about next time. So in one sentence, either one of you or both in one sentence, describe the next year of a traffic person after they've been groomed Mm -hmm. and they, and they step into that. The, the breaking period, one word, one sentence.
2: Horror. <laughs> Unimaginable horror. I, I can't, I, I can't conceive of it. Randy, when you get into that breaking period, you're think about this for a minute. These are young women, many from healthy homes that are now forced into multiple sex acts a day with strangers. So th- th- this boggles my mind. So you have a young lady, Who's put for sale online? She's advertised online. She has no idea who she's going to meet. Her trafficker will tell her what sex acts she is expected to perform. And she will sit in a room, and Johns will come to her 10, 15 times a day. And she'll service all of them, all walks of life. And then she may get three, four, five hours of sleep. She may get fed somewhere in between. And then the day starts again. It it is absolutely an unimaginable horror or or a torture. Um, I I can't imagine it. But what what I will say is these women that survive, these women that get out, are absolutely unbelievably strong, capable, powerful women. Their coping mechanisms to to that they get through this horror. Uh, set them up for many, many things in life. So uh, the problem is a, a lot of these women don't, they don't survive. They don't make it out the other end.
0: Right. You asked for one sentence or one word. Um, Jeff gave you a paragraph. So I'll just give you one word, um, which he said unimaginable. And I was going to say unfathomable. Like you just absolutely cannot wrap your head around it. Yeah.
1: So. Okay. Thanks guys. Um, hey, to my listeners, thanks for uh, listening to our podcast. I mean, we hope you got a lot out of it. I I, I certainly did. Um, if you enjoyed the, the show, please subscribe. And also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening to our podcast. Tell your friends about it so we can reach more people about this important subject. Um, our show notes can be found on guardiangroup.org, uh, where you can also find more information and videos to help the fight against human trafficking. And you can donate. Uh, so there's a, I think it's guardiangrouporg slash donate. So, uh, please, you know, please be, become a guardian, help us out. Um, if you have any questions about trafficking that we might address in future episodes, uh, or if you want to contact us for any reason, uh, including if you need to get a guardian group to help you with uh, a specific trafficking problem, write us uh, at our email contact at guardiangroup.org. Uh, that's it. So we'll see you next time.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. If you need help with a potential trafficking situation, please contact your local law enforcement agency or call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 888-373-7888 or text HELP to two three three seven three three resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at www.guardiangroup.org slash podcast. If you'd like to donate to the fight against human trafficking, please go to www.guardiangroup.org slash donate. If you have a question you would like answered on a future episode, please send it to contact guardiangroup.org.